I think that's really the key is just leaning in and not being afraid to explore and open yourself up to new ideas and new perspectives. And I think that then kind of takes on a life of its own and just further supports you and lifts you up. Hey, midlife ladies. This is the Dear Midlife Podcast. Unapologetic girl talk that will help you remember who you are and figure out who in the hell you want to become. I'm Shelby Bybee, karaoke party queen, single mom, and an extrovert to a fault. And I'm Trinity Greenfield, a wild-haired woman full of sass, sparkle, and a heavy dose of black girl magic. So grab a glass and let's dive into the messy middle. You know, women in midlife are often starting over in some respects. Mm -hmm. You know, it's crazy because this time in our lives can be you know, it's a period of rebirth, reinvention. And, you know, if you're Gwyneth Paltrow or one of the other fancy <laughs> schmancy celebs out there, recoupling. Right, right. <laughs> I love that word. I'm working on this one. <laughs> but regardless, building new relationships at this time in life is imperative, but not always easy. Oh, Shelby, that is an understatement. Girl, have you tried dating these days? And yes, I'm talking to you <laughs> out there, girl. Yes. Everybody comes with some kind of baggage. And when I say baggage, I am talking about like those old timey trunks, the ones that you said pack and take up on the Titanic on a ship <laughs> across the Atlantic. That shit, that kind of baggage, heavy duty baggage, heavy duty baggage. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, yeah. I feel like I'm sinking sometimes, right? <laughs> too much damn baggage, right? Too much damn baggage. And that kind of baggage is seriously hard to unpack. Yes. Yeah. And at the same time, show up with transparency and mm. the kind of vulnerability that it takes to forge these new relationships when the stakes are high. And at this age, man, the relationships are complex and there's yes. typically more than one player involved. So forging romantic relationships not only requires navigating your potential partner's history, but the children and familial ties they bring into the relationship as well. Oh, yes. Well, and our guest today, Maria Natapov is the daughter of divorced immigrants and a step parent herself. And this this led her to work now as as a step parenting coach and a rapid resolution therapy practitioner to help others heal, to help them expand and grow as she provides support to help her clients navigate these complex relationships to transform chaos into harmony. And today, she shares with us how we can make small shifts during our most difficult seasons to work through whatever challenge we may be facing. And she reminds us that we already have all of the gifts and everything we need inside of us right now. You know, I feel like this is one thing I just need to keep reminding myself is yes. that I have everything I need inside of myself right now. I'm getting teary-eyed, Maria. Um, <laughs> Man, it's just about unlocking the path to it. 
You are so, so right. And, and this is where Maria really shines. She is an expert at helping people navigate these new experiences like step parenting or blending a family or building new relationships in general where the stakes are really, really high. There are multiple stakeholders, Mm -hmm. each with their own specific separate set of needs. And it's necessary to quickly create and build rapport and connection. Yeah. Yeah. The baggage has baby baggage and the baby baggage. (laughs) Right. Everybody's got baggage. Diaper bag of baggage. And that little Barbie bag of baggage. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That little Barbie purse, the little plastic purse you hold. Yeah, with baggage in it. We all got the baggage, even the Barbie, baby. (laughs) Barbie had baggage. She's like, can you punk? Damn. Right? Oh my God, I'm crying now, like for real laughing. And Maria also specializes in helping people identify and heal trauma through the rapid resolution therapy modality, which helps to shift unwanted or disturbing thoughts, emotions, and actions into painless, quick, and pleasant. Yes, you heard that right. A pleasant way with the lasting results. And baby girl. When you're in the process of unpacking that big old trunk of yours, honey, and you need some help or you need some support from like-minded women going through the same shit that you are, Mm -hmm. we are your girls. We are here. Join our Facebook community and share this podcast with a friend. No one needs to navigate the messy middle alone. Amen. And now let's welcome to the show. Maria Natapov. Maria, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Shelby. I'm so excited for this conversation. I'm really excited for this conversation as well because you have a really unique niche, which is a step parenting coach, and you help people navigate building new relationships. You know, and I think about when I and, you know, in my early, well, almost 50, let's not, let's not add that year before I'm there yet. Right. Yeah. Almost 50. Right. I hear a lot of women really struggling to make connections with others, to build relationships, whether it be a new romantic relationship, or even to be honest, I think women even just have a hard time making connections and, and building new friendships and then layer on the complexities of hi, I'm in a romantic relationship and the individual brings with them a whole life of baggage and history makes it really difficult to navigate those relationships. So tell us a little bit more about how you help your clients really start over in this space and build a new life for themselves in a place where they're navigating maybe new experiences and the stakes are high and there yeah. might be a lot of stakeholders that are participating in this this new relationship how do you help your clients navigate that absolutely yeah so well i work one on one most of the time although that that is not the cold hard rule yeah. um and i do i have had exceptions to that rule and we really focus on four pillars in the case of the step parents so that is to uh, first of all, identify and get clear on their own boundaries and values. Mm-hmm. And not only as far as their actual values to guide their approach in, for example, discipline or maybe priorities for the family, et cetera, uh, but also to identify what kinds of things 
are they comfortable taking on in that step parenting role? And what kinds of things are they not necessarily comfortable taking on? So first that that clarity is, is the critical piece. Then we work to align that with their partner, right? And I also just as a caveat, I refer to the terminology of step parent in a very loose way because I think these days, many times I hear people are not rushing to the altar. And in some cases, maybe are just not interested in pursuing that at all. They've kind of been there, yeah, done that. Um, uh-huh. But but definitely, you know, they're they're doing all the things a step parent would do. They are very much taking an active role and stepping in where necessary, mm-hmm. and and certainly providing and assisting with caregiving to the kids, and and certainly are building those relationships, and in many cases are even moving moving in with this new family. So really, the dynamic is still the same, and the responsibilities mm-hmm. are still the same, and the same issues if you will, come up mm-hmm. because with any new transition, <laughs> it's almost inevitable. There will be some kind of challenges or stumbling blocks or just things to navigate and, and work mm-hmm. through. Um, so the to bring it back, the second pillar we work on is to align them with their partner on all of those things and getting on the same page. That is really important because the value of it is it brings uh, stability and a sense of security to the kids, which is the number one priority in these situations. And that's true even for adult kids, I will say. (laughs) Uh, Consistency, it just really makes things easy and it removes a lot of anxiety and possibly kind of tension uh, when there is that consistency and everybody is is seemingly on the same page and just Mm -hmm. things are aligned and kind of flowing. And then we work, of course, to uh, build the trust with these new kids for the Mm -hmm. step-parent coming in. And finally, building community with the extended family, which of course includes all of the aunts and uncles and the grandparents and anyone else, um, including even like close friends who might be basically like family, but certainly of course the ex-spouse, which is usually, who is usually in the picture as well. So navigating all of those complexities, as you said, the different stakeholders, their priorities, all of these folks usually have their own, you know, approach, their own personality, but certainly have a huge stake in the well-being of this family and these kids, and they have different expectations. And so how to effectively do that, where to even start, because oftentimes it can feel like drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. So demystifying that and just taking it in bite-sized pieces and moving at a pace that feels doable, right? Because sometimes what I hear from step-parents and being one myself, there's this tendency or maybe a little bit of a almost like a pressure and possibly a perceived expectation to just jump in, jump in and make it all happen and do all the things. But the reality is doing that without taking the time to really assess like, am I ready? How do I want to handle this? Mm -hmm. And just having some space to get a little bit of clarity on that. Like, is this the best thing for me to do is to just jump right in with both feet and like right away early on in dating, for example, go to like Mm -hmm. some family reunion, right? (laughs) Is that really the best thing? And maybe the answer is yes, it is, but maybe it's not necessarily. So just giving yourself some grace, some space to get clear on some of this and what's coming up for you and, you know, how, how to kind of work with these situations, work with these folks to ensure a smooth transition, setting yourself up for success and, you know, and also setting the whole family up for success, Mm -hmm. right? Because really there's a lot riding on it. And and the goal is to create this community for the children to to really support the kids. So I love that. And I'm just sitting here, I'm making notes, right? Because I think 
Um, and as I mentioned before, we actually popped into this conversation. I think one of the things that really attracted me to your profile is that so many of the things that you've just said really apply generally speaking. Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about really being clear on our boundaries and what our values are, I think that's just generally speaking, an important part of life. And I think sometimes here, when we reach this stage and age in midlife, we may have given ourselves up all the while to, uh, you know, our families, our careers, our spouses. And then we reach the stage where we aren't really clear on what our boundaries or values are. You know, Mm -hmm. I think gaining alignment with partners and in our personal relationships is really important. Building trust is so important. And I think wrapped around all that, I'm only imagining has to be effective and really good communication. So I'd love to, you know, unpack some of these individually a little bit and talk about how you help your clients, for example, get clear on what are their boundaries and values and how do they do that? What are the steps that you take them through and what's the process? Sure. Well, I find that, you know, to consider for a moment, we live in a culture that there's not a lot of room for us to consider these things or to talk about these things. And we often also are taught from an early age, there's not necessarily freedom of expression. So even even if we are clear on these things, mm-hmm. oftentimes the messaging can be like, don't really talk about that. Just suck it up. Just do what's being asked yeah. of you. Just go along. So there's some of that for sure that enters all of this work. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. The second thing too is really learning how to create the space, right? Mm-hmm. To connect to yourself, connect to, you know, oftentimes are how we feel, like meaning what we think, like our values, our boundaries, all of those things, they will often create a strong visceral response inside of us. Mm-hmm. So in our body, there will be a physical mm-hmm. kind of a tell, I suppose is the best yeah, way sure. <laughs> to mention it. And, you know, for a long time, I remember with some of the hardships that I faced throughout my life, mm-hmm. step parenting being one of them, but another being like being an immigrant. And then my previous relationship was with somebody who had narcissistic tendencies. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't even know any better to Mm -hmm. recognize that. Um, So I remember in those early days, I had a strong sense of intuition, but I was completely disconnected from it because all along, you know, growing up in Russia at first, which was an oppressive kind of regime, and then coming to America, the messages I received was keep your head low, obey, don't make waves. And I basically was just kind of told like, do, do as you're being told. So Mm -hmm. there was nothing encouraging me to tune in and being like, Hey, what feels good? What do you think is the best thing to do here? There's no freedom. Yeah, for sure. So that's a big piece of it is really, you know, guiding my clients and, and standing alongside of them and, you know, helping them and creating space for them and cheerleading them. And, you know, all, all, all like a combination of all those things Mm -hmm. into recognizing, Hey, what's coming up for you? you know, whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing, right? Like, are there any, like instantly you're getting worried? Maybe there's like some sort of an anxiety or like um, something in your chest or something in the, like a pit in your stomach when you think about X, Y, Z, right? That would be a big sign that, Hey, we need to address that. Is that something that you're saying you definitely don't want to have a hand in, or is that something that you're noticing is already happening in your world in this blended family that needs to be addressed and needs some shifting and some different approaches to kind of like readdress that in a way that feels better to set yourself up with for, for a different dynamic that 
feels a lot more smooth and a lot more supportive and possibly is creating a lot more ease. And most likely too, if you're feeling it, there's a good chance the folks on the other end of that are also feeling it, right? So these things have a big ripple effect. And so, so of course, that's a, a, a number one thing. And then of course, I believe you also mentioned before, as you were identifying that in our midlife, as our lives shift with the different stages that we find ourselves in and our kids maybe are grown and are leaving the home. Maybe we have more time on our hands. Maybe, you know, I feel like career-wise, for example, there's just so many more opportunities and it's really common for people to like up and just do a new thing suddenly. Whereas I feel like when we were younger growing up, we didn't see as much of that. Or maybe there was a tendency of almost like discouraging that kind of thing. It was like, you're on a career path, you stick with it, you see it through. I feel like that was the messaging. Whereas now people are really encouraged to embrace their passions and embrace their sense of autonomy and individuality and really pursue their dreams, which is so exhilarating. At the same time, there's definitely patterns that we pick up along the way. And it can feel really difficult once we are finding ourselves in a new situation where we are having to build new relationships, whether it's with work colleagues or with clients or possibly even with friendships. Like, I think we also sometimes get more clarity like, oh, I thought I was this kind of person, but I'm realizing actually this feels better. This mm. feels more aligned with me. So how do you make that transition to live in a more authentic way as yourself? Because of course, right? Like, when you live in that way, everything then in your life, hopefully is going to be supporting you. It's just going to feel so much easier and so much more free. And you're almost going to get energy back from those experiences and interactions rather than feeling like you're just fighting the good fight just to get through the day. And so, and that really, I think, comes down to a lot of the patterns. So recognizing whether they're patterns of thought, whether they're patterns of interaction, what is it that has been getting in the way? Or maybe what kind of skills have you been feeling like you maybe don't have, right? Or what could possibly serve you? And the thing to remember is we don't know what we don't know. So yeah. it's certainly a process. It's an unfolding. And, you know, just, I think, remembering to give yourself grace like any realization, any, anything is still a win because that is getting you closer to where you would like to be. So even though it may feel, you know, I hear sometimes, oh, I wish I, I wish I met you sooner. I wish I, you know, met you years ago. I wish we started this work. Like, I just feel like it's such an uphill battle, but the truth is you still have the wisdom from all those experiences, right? And you are exactly where you need to be. At least that's what I believe. Mm -hmm. And so just celebrating, like, that's okay. All of it is okay. You're, you're good. You, you know, you can start right where you are. And that's wonderful because, you know, you are being called for this for a reason. And that is something to be celebrated and it's okay. <laughs> I love that. You've said so many beautiful things there. I, I mean, one of the things that really stood out to me was leaning into this more authentic sense of self and really being aware of, you know, what are the things that send positive signals or negative signals. And the other thing that you said that really stood out to me was not knowing what you don't know. Right. And so when I think about not knowing for me personally, what I don't know, I think one of my superpowers is I'm a connector. And so when I don't know what I don't know, I like to seek out inspiration from other sources. You know, I'm a huge avid podcast listener, which is why I chose to start a podcast on my own. I like to network with other people and build a community 
with people who are like-minded so that I can learn and grow in new ways um, with those people and with the insights and wisdom that they've collected over the years and bring to the table my own wisdom and insights. And so I know one of the four pillars that you mentioned also is about building community. And specifically in your world, you're talking about building community with, say, an extended family. But I think I would assume the principles are similar in terms of how do you build trust and how do you build community so that you can come into your more authentic self and continue to learn and grow as you embark upon this new stage in life. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're spot on with that. And you know, the reality too is even in my world, that extends to mm-hmm. teachers, coaches, yeah. right? Like all of the, I don't know, camp leaders, right? I mean, right. In, oh, my, in the sure. case of my stepdaughter therapist, because yeah. uh, five years into my step parenting journey, we found out she was being abused and neglected by her bio mom and stepdad. And she came to live with us full time. And currently she's chosen to have no contact, even though there was some contact and they tried to do family therapy for a little for a little while. So, you know, and these things just happen, right? Like life just hits you no matter what. Uh, I think the key is like, I think you kind of mentioned is it's about resiliency and it's about building the skills and not punishing yourself of like, why don't I know this or anything like that? It's just about being curious. And like you said, For me, in my case, 100%, my curiosity in those dark moments has led me to all of the resources that I ever needed. (laughs) So I think you're completely spot on. Just leaning into that, I think, is such a powerful tool that will already bring you to the right people and to the right resources and to the, you know, be it a podcast or a book or a website or, you know, people that you need to know, et cetera, or maybe just others who are in a similar experience with you or, or what have you. But yeah, I think, I think that's really the key is just leaning in and not being afraid to explore and open yourself up to new ideas and new perspectives. And I think that then kind of takes on a life of its own and just further supports you and lifts you up through those challenging moments. Yeah, I love this idea of, you know, opening yourself up because it's been my personal experience that when you're willing to be vulnerable and to open yourself up and express to others, maybe something that might be a little bit more intimate knowledge, then it opens them up to being more willing. And then that in and of itself creates trust. Are there other tools or tips or steps or processes that you can recommend help us to build that foundation of trust or help us to build connections and communities with others? Yeah, I think the first is, you know, to be really truthful, Mm. which I think you alluded to a little bit, but it may be a slightly different concept. For example, you know, with my stepdaughter, I didn't try to pretend, you know, it's just using myself as an example, but you know, there's many other (laughs) examples, obviously, Uh, but, you know, not pretending that you are somebody that you're not, or, you know, like, again, I, I sort of alluded to this concept where sometimes we feel the pressure to show up in a particular way. Right. And Mm -hmm. I was never like, Hey, I'm here to be a parent because I wasn't. And so I was just very honest with her and I was honest with her about my fears and I was honest with her about, you know, all the things. And, but I genuinely cared about her. And so when we built that relationship, that's what it was really built on. Mm. And I think it's allowed for really beautiful growth and unfolding. And then over time, you know, it's it's become kind of more, of course. Mm. But I think I think that's really the key. And it takes a lot of courage 
like you said, and vulnerability to do that, to number one, identify that, but also to show up like that without pretense from the beginning. And so, for example, you know, oftentimes, and this is really common, kids in a blended family situation where one of their parents has been divorced and a new person is coming in, Mm -hmm. they usually take a lot longer than the adults to come around to the whole idea of like, hey, my family is truly broke, not broken, but it's split up. And now this is what the new kind of aftermath of that looks Mm -hmm. like. And so to even embrace the idea that they will have a step parent, whether it's that individual or not, it just takes them longer. Mm -hmm. And so when there's tension, not pretending that there's not tension, you know, just allowing everybody to speak their truth and allowing things to unfold and allowing to, and that doesn't mean, you know, because also what can happen is the more attention we focus on the negative moments, Mm -hmm. the more, or the more that we try to fight it or resist it, the more it actually amplifies that energy and everything that that entails. So we actually end up having and seeing more of those situations occur. Whereas if you just kind of acknowledge it and make it easy for them to talk about it and, you know, just open the door essentially to those conversations, you'll see that once they get it out of their system, they will be able to move on to actually building the relationship and also won't feel so scary because it's like, oh, they're not being punished. They're not being judged. They can actually show up and be truthful and speak their mind. And then also, you know, gently, if there's an opportunity and if they seem receptive to it, if there's maybe something that they mentioned that is an assumption about you or just isn't quite true, then that's possibly an opportunity for you to share a little bit more information with them about like your perspective or, you know, or how you feel about that or offer a new, just a new way of looking at things. And again, through those interactions is really how we build that trust and that rapport mm-hmm. essentially. Cause that's what we're talking about. We're talking about how to build connection and kids take everything super personally mm. because that's just where they're at developmentally yeah. a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But as adults, we have to kind of see beyond that. Like that isn't necessarily at the core, how they really feel. They are just having big emotions. Mm. Oftentimes they don't have the language skills to really identify it and, and, put it eloquently and and even explain it. Sometimes they literally just can't even name it or or fully explain what's going on for them. Mm-hmm. So they're they're looking for the adults to help them with that. So not taking it personally and trying to ask open-ended questions to get a better sense if something is, you know, if you're not sure or if something seems confusing, but also reading the room, so to speak. And I mean, not just listening to the words, but really sensing the energy, noticing their facial expressions, their tone, their physical posture, all these things provide a lot of insights as to what's really going on, because it's really common as human beings that many people don't say what they mean. Right. (laughs) And then they're not doing it on purpose. That's just, I think that's just part of the human experience. So remembering that and using all your senses to bring in information and you know, really tuning into that instinct. And if it feels like, oh, they're really sending a lot of like standoff or shutting down signals, just be like, you know, we can talk about it another time and then check in another time, look Mm -hmm. for that opportunity, you know, and maybe that won't be the time that's okay. But if you keep inviting, eventually it's going to be a hit, right? They're going to pick Mm -hmm. you, take you up on your offer, or at least the message will be received that, Hey, you're open and you're interested and you're there and you're available. And so they will find you. 
right? But that's what it requires. And oftentimes, multiple times for that invitation to truly be received. I love that. And I, you know, one of the things you said that really stood out to me was really that I think you said it in reference to the children may not always say what they are feeling, but I think oftentimes grownups don't do that, yeah. don't do that very well either. Like, you know, mm-hmm. to your point, we show up in a certain light. We want to be seen in a certain light. Maybe the relationship between the significant other is at stake, you know, and you really want to show up with your best face forward, but doing so isn't always being truthful and transparent. And then I think sometimes the kids sense that and even, even the other party. So how do we do that? Like, what does that sound like specifically? If I notice, for example, that the other party is having some of these big emotions and I'm interpreting the fact that these big emotions may be related to the fact that I'm there in the picture. Maybe they just had a hard day at school. Maybe they're really struggling for their own personal reasons. Like what, what does that conversation sound like? So how do I show up more truthfully, transparently, authentically in not just my actions, but my words as well? Yeah, that's a great question. So a couple of things. First thing is to make sure that you are regulated, right? We, I don't know if people have heard the term self-regulation, but essentially it refers to this complex skill, which has to do with managing our emotions. Mm -hmm. So can you get in a state of mind where you can, where you're ready to receive information and not take it personally, not have it throw you? Right. Because if that is the case, then it's best to kind of excuse yourself, go to the bathroom, throw some cold water <laughs> in your face. Translation, count to 10. To Get yes, out exactly. of the room, exit Exactly. The okay. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you need to do, just still like breathe, you know, whatever. And, you know, don't make assumptions, right? Like kind of interrogate the story a little bit. Like what is fact? Because oftentimes we jump to conclusions. And the reason we do that is anything, our mind is wired in a way that, Anything we don't immediately have as factual information, it fills in the blanks and it fills in the blanks from stories we've read, like either books that we've enjoyed or like, you know, our own perception, our own history, our upbringing, our education, all those things come into play. Yeah. And it's really just like imagination. Like we are very imaginative and we just fill in the blanks with like whatever, however our mind decides to logically put it together. The truth is though whether it's logical or not, oftentimes we are filling in information that isn't actually there. And so fact checking. So instead of assuming, oh, this child is upset because I'm here. And like, maybe they are, which again, still isn't personal to you more than likely. It's just a difficult transition of like, my other parent isn't here. You're here. Are you taking the place of my other parent? my mommy and daddy or, you know, mommy and mommy or daddy and daddy or whatever combination that looked like, they are no longer living together. I would love to spend time with my family. I would love to have them both in the same house to celebrate our things or sit down for dinner, whatever, you know, whatever that looks like, like they're having a real human experience of taking all that on. That's a lot, you know, or maybe now they're having to split their time between homes, or maybe even one of the parents lives really far away and it's not even easy to see them or who knows what the situation is? So again, even that is often not personal mm-hmm. or they just don't have enough information about you. And maybe they're assuming that you don't like them, you know, like yeah. maybe you're doing right. a really nice job trying to give them space and stay out of their way. And they're interpreting it as, oh, they're cold to me. They don't like mm. me. They're standoffish because they're kind of rejecting me, you know, or mm. maybe they're feeling like 
your relationship with their mom or their dad or whoever is stealing time from them or that mm-hmm. you're trying to replace them. You know, it's just their kids. They don't, they don't know. And they can't often recognize all of these things either. Mm-hmm. So just asking, you know, mm-hmm. and offer, if you're not getting an answer, if you get an, I don't know, just kind of offer, offer some of the things that you as an adult can put together mm-hmm. and kind of explore. They'll tell you yes or no, or, or invite like, Hey, if I guess wrong, will you tell me mm-hmm. that I'm wrong? Or, you know, or after a few wrong guesses, usually they'll, they'll offer something because uh-huh. by then their mind is sort of, you know, tr- like <laughs> it kind of right. starts their yeah, mind sure. and they might give you something. So rather than assuming the worst or, or, you know, just making an assumption at all, just, just asking. And again, that says, Hey, I care about what you have to say. I care about how you feel and I want to know, and I'm here to listen and you can talk to me. I'm here for you. I'm here to help you work through it. And it's, it's safe for you to open up, you know? Yeah. And that's just really beautiful. Yeah. And it teaches them how to be, because like it wouldn't, we all want our kids to be able to do that too. So it also models and kind of teaches them how to do it in their own lives. So it's just a win all around. I love that. And I know that you went through some challenges early on when you were young. And I know one of the other things that you've also have an expertise in is helping people heal their trauma. And one of the things that you mentioned also that uh, stood out to me was around this rapid resolution protocol or process. Can you help me understand what that looks like too? Because I think- getting past some of our own trauma, because I think we do bring that into the narrative, right? We take things personally because of their own personal childhood traumas that we suffered. And, and that causes a situation where we might take things personally or misinterpret based on our own, again, internal narratives. So how do we get past that using the rapid resolution model? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for asking rapid resolution therapy is amazing. And I was the biggest skeptic, but essentially for me, when I found it, it sounded like the answer to all of my childhood therapy dreams (laughs) that I was like, it's too good to be true. It doesn't exist. And then I tried it. And then I had sessions with colleagues, et cetera. And I'm here to tell you it, it truly is remarkable. The way it differs from traditional therapy and often is used in conjunction, by the way, it's not like you have to pick one or the other is that it is rapid as the name suggests. Mm -hmm. It's typically one to three sessions to essentially shift or clear up an issue. And so the way traditional therapy works is oftentimes it's about like understanding and recognizing patterns and, and getting a better sense of like, when does it show up and all the details and maybe understanding a little bit about how the mind works and from, from a clinical perspective. And all of those things are definitely beneficial. But rapid resolution therapy also addresses the subconscious because all of our thoughts that are feeling like invasive or just uncomfortable, as well as emotions that also don't feel good, or sometimes even actions that don't feel good. And that can look like possibly substance abuse, but it can also look like, for example, procrastination or avoiding work. Like for example, if things are feeling overwhelming or there's much to do, you know, people kind of shut down. So it could, it could look like those behaviors as well. 
And essentially, all of those are born in the subconscious. They are automatic. They're not something that somebody's choosing. So they can have all of the wonderful information about how this behavior is coming about and why it's coming about. And they also can understand what would be better to do. And yet they find themselves having this automatic response nonetheless. Mm. And the reason is because again, until we address that in the subconscious and kind of break that cycle, Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't result in a new way of automatically responding to situations. And the way that that typically gets wired, as you've mentioned, is through some sort of a traumatic event. Sometimes, many times it is in childhood, though not always. And we may or may not remember the event. Like in some cases, people remember it extremely clearly. They could literally tell you like the color of the walls, the senses in the air, like everything. And in some cases, people just, they just don't remember. They really have no idea. But nonetheless, it doesn't mean that there isn't something that caused this automatic response. And essentially our brain, our organism is designed to survive and thrive. And so whenever it senses any sort of danger, right, to our physical well-being or or essentially literally to living, it jumps into whatever it thinks it can do to help us actually survive. And oftentimes when there's this overwhelming situation that caused, you know, the fight, freeze, or flight response Mm -hmm. to be activated, it thinks, oh, well, when we did that, we didn't die. So let's just keep doing that anytime that anything remotely similar happens. When in fact, most of the time, it doesn't end up being the best thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't end up being an effective thing to do. So that's really how that loop gets created to begin with. Mm -hmm. And that's why rapid resolution therapy is so, so powerful in, in shifting that. And essentially, it's just a brief conversation. Typically, it starts with like a headline, for example, oh, I am finding it difficult to find the motivation to do things that I used to enjoy. Never mind the day-to-day like responsibilities that I have, for example. Right. And then through stories and analogies, we would just have a conversation and we would essentially pull apart the emotions from the circumstances and look at things in unique and different perspectives mm-hmm. to help the not only logical mind, but also the subconscious understand and look at things in a new way so that those automatic cycles go away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. (laughs) How do you do that? How do you separate those things so that you can look at them in a new way? Help me understand that. Yeah, it it really just depends on, you know, it's just analogies essentially, Mm -hmm. right? So, for example, one story, and I do have a podcast episode that's really brief. It's like a nine minute long one. Okay, that I'll I check often, it out. Yeah. Yeah. That I often refer people to, and I'll share the link with you. But great. essentially, for example, little Billy is playing and his dad comes home from work and he's angry. And little Billy was really, really excited to see dad. So mm-hmm. he runs out to greet him, and dad is you know, kind of curt with him and sort of brushes him away and doesn't mm-hmm. give him the warm welcome. And little Billy thinks, oh, it's because I didn't clean up my room. And then as he gets older and different connections get formed, he now may develop a little bit of OCD around cleanliness mm-hmm. because there's some sort of belief that, oh, well, if I'm not clean, people that I love will leave me or they'll abandon me or they won't love me or they won't accept me or 
you know, things like that. So, so that's just a little piece of it. And so we would pull that apart to help the person recognize that those things are not related. Yeah. So it's just, it's all a matter of perspective, but it's, they're not things that are completely obvious, right? Because he was so little when that happened that he might not even put those two things together. Right. right? Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, it's having this impact on his day-to-day life, you know, and, and kind of impacting the way that he sees relationships and, and the role he thinks he plays in those relationships. So yeah. <laughs> that is actually really, really fascinating because I'm just sitting here thinking of myself, right? So mm-hmm. I'm sure that I have those cognitive connections. Yeah, in my we brain. all do. And yeah. I mean, I think my narrative is, you know, if I'm not perfect, if I don't do things, um, mm-hmm. if I'm not the best, if I, you know, then mm-hmm. I won't be loved. And so it's kind of the, those negative narratives. So what you're saying is that you can pull those things apart and say, even though, you're connecting the dots with that love is perfection or um, excellence in in execution. (laughs) Those two things are not necessarily related. If you fail, for example, that does not mean will not be loved. Absolutely. Exactly. And, And moreover, the more this idea that, right, like the more that we feed the monster and we run away from it and we keep it in the shadows and we keep like giving it food, the more sure. that it grows. But if we just shine a spotlight on it or walk towards the monster, we often find, oh, wow, it's not a monster. It's like a kitten, right? Yeah. So that's another right. piece of it is a lot of the automatic response to that kind of a thought process as well keeps it kind of perpetually either getting worse or at the very least staying the same. Mm-hmm. And so our response to that is another component of this whole complex, (laughs) you know, dynamic as well. So yeah, so those are the things that we would, you know, talk about and address. And like I said, you know, we would, through a lot of analogies and kind of storytelling and examples, we would look at things in different ways and, and kind of shed a new light on it. And that will help get all the way through a lot of those things in the way that those connections have been made are are not in fact, beneficial, and certainly not necessary. Yeah. So, so fascinating. And actually this conversation has been (laughs) so fascinating, Maria. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being here today. I would love the link to that podcast on that um, rapid resolution. I will share it with our our listener in our show notes today. And as you have a podcast, tell our listener out there what your podcast is called and where that we can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So it's right on my website, which is synergisticstepparenting.com. And the podcast is also called Synergistic Step Parenting. I share actionable tips for divorced parents and blended families, as well as step parents and blended families to help them transform family chaos into harmonious co-parenting and create more ease and peace and joy. So sometimes it may be a perspective shift. Sometimes I have guest experts who come on like mediators or family attorneys or, you know, other folks like divorce coaches, folks in that space. And like I said, you know, it's really meant to provide actionable tips or actionable information right away for wherever that family is is at and whatever it is that they're currently dealing with or encountering um, for them to, yeah, for them to just have some answers and have some different skills and or strategies to try and to you know, shift the dynamic and create a more supportive and connected environment for all of them. 
I love that. And you've shared with us a wealth of knowledge just in this short period of time that we've been together. And I thank you so much. I can't wait to go check out your podcast. I'm not necessarily in a blended family at this point, but you know, I feel like a lot of the tips and tricks and tools that you've shared with our listener and and with me today really resonate across, you know, all walks of our lives and in the way that we heal and resolve past traumas and the way that we build new relationships in, in our future you know, our future lives and selves. So thank you so much for being here, Maria. Thank you. It's been such a blast. And I I really appreciate the time and the conversation. It's been, it's been really, really fun for me. And thank you for focusing on folks in the midlife stages of lives and and (laughs) (laughs) giving all the help we can get girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just, you know, I just appreciate the space, the space to be able to share openly and speak openly about some of both the lessons learned as well as the challenges. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Shelby, you two had the best conversation. Yeah. I hate that I wasn't with you. I know. We missed you. Man. But I got to listen and really take away some good stuff. So thank you for leaning in and sharing this conversation with all of us. You know, I think the first thing that stuck with me was when we're forging these new complex relationships where there are are a lot of parties involved and where the stakes are really high, jumping in with both feet, which is what I typically like to do, right? Oh yeah. Like you're my husband, I love you. I love you, let's go. My husband forever. No, this jumping in with both feet approach may not be the right thing to do. Yeah. It, It takes time. And it's important to know that being able to identify, getting clear on your own boundaries and your own values, like how you approach discipline and parenting and what you're comfortable taking on as a step parent, all of that stuff, it takes time. And then you've got to gain alignment with all of the other parties involved. And love don't pay the bills. So (laughs) you've got to settle these things really ahead of time and take the time necessary to do that in order to have something that lasts. Yes, 100%. You know, the other thing that Maria stated, again, that I just really resonates with me is that you are exactly where you need to be right now. And I've really struggled with this lately, but you know, I feel like I just need to surrender to the now. I think you should write that on your mirror. Yeah. Yeah. A little sticky in your car, all the places. Yeah. It's about having faith in what the universe has in store for you. And I just need to do that more often. Yes. Yeah. Well, our third point really kicked my ass. Building trust means being vulnerable yourself. And I like to feel like I'm vulnerable. I like Mm. to think that I'm vulnerable, but I have learned through some circumstances recently that my, what looks like vulnerability to the rest of the world is just, you know, I, I, I have expansive limits. So my limits just stretch really far. But if I were being very honest with myself and being fully vulnerable, I mean, it, would go a lot deeper than Mm. what, than how I show up today. And so 
adding into that showing up authentically, showing up as you are and not pretending to be something that you are not. Yeah, love that. And four, acknowledge and embrace the difficult moments and invite conversation about them. And in doing so, it's it's easier to diffuse some of that negative energy. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the tension within these moments builds and becomes amplified over time. So it's best in many instances to address these things head on and really just to get curious about them. But you gotta you gotta be in the right headspace and not in an emotional frame of mind when you do so. Yes. Yeah. And ladies, our fifth and final point is that our brains are wired to fill in any gaps in factual information with our own narratives and imagination. And then these perceptions may or may not be true. So when navigating difficult conversations, make sure that you are coming to the table in a regulated frame of mind. Yeah. Yeah. And then that goes back to getting curious about some of those difficult (laughs) perceptions or misperceptions that we have before. Yeah. We jump to conclusions. Yeah. Anyway, that was such a great conversation. I'm sorry that we missed you this time around, Trinity, but you know, we are both here for you. Mm. And we're really driven to form this community so that we can be present for one another when each of us needs a little help, a loving support, a shoulder to cry on, some guidance, resources, and we want to be those girls for you. That's right. Yeah. So join our Facebook community and leave us a review on what your thoughts are about this podcast or where you're struggling and let us know how we can help you. And we love coming together with you every week. Same time, same place, right here in the middle.